You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024. If you've got a Bible this morning, I want you to go to a couple different places. Put your fingers in a couple different spots in the text. We're going to be in Habakkuk chapter 1 and Joel chapter 2. So if you've got a couple fingers loose and free, uh, grab both of those texts. And hold on tight. We live in a culture, we live in a world right now that needs us to pay attention as the church. Amen. We as the church need to be paying attention to what um, is going on around us. The enemy seems to be, and, and I don't know if it's just me, maybe it's not, maybe, maybe it's more than just me. But the enemy seems to be punching at us left and right. And typically what that means, if you see it and if you feel it in your heart, that typically means that there's some type of a war, spiritual war that's raging. And like I've said for years, that we live in a culture that is trying to ignore the fact that there is a spiritual battle that is taking place in this room, in this city, in this state, in this country. There is a spiritual battle that is taking place for the hearts and the minds and the souls of humanity. And so what I want to do in the midst of all this, because I want us to pay attention to this, but I also want us, I want to interject that there's hope. I want to show that there's hope. And so I'm going to do sort of a mini series and talk about there is hope. There is hope. One of the things that I, I want everyone here to understand is that I believe firmly that Jesus Christ is on the move. Jesus Christ, sovereign King of the universe is on the move. And I know that in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of the insanity, is anybody else in the room feel the crazy of the world? Anybody? Okay, just a couple of you. But I, I know that in the midst of our trials and our sufferings, that, that all the blows that come at us, we can feel somewhat like Habakkuk in chapter 1. When he starts in, cha- in verse 2 where he says, O Lord... How long shall I cry for help? Anybody? Anybody? How, Lord, how long will I cry for help and you not hear me? Anybody ever felt like your prayers aren't getting answered? Anybody ever felt like, God, I'm, I'm pleading for certain things to happen. I'm pleading for my loved ones to be saved. I'm pleading for this to take place. God, why can't you hear me? Or I cry to you violence and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you you idly look at the wrongdoings of our world? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never never goes forth. And the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. Anybody ever felt like, it, like, like we're living in that? 
Anybody ever felt like, man, there's so much insanity, there's so much perversion, there's so much wickedness, and God, I feel like you're not doing anything to get rid of it. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. I've, I've felt that kind of pressure. I've felt that kind of discouragement. Like, I've felt that, but I need us to look around more than just at what's going on. Because here's what the enemy does, is he likes to try to distract us with all the negative, all the hurt, all the pain, all the wicked, and just say, hey, listen, you're the one that's in the minority here, and you're the one that's losing. And you're the one that's not going to make it. Well, I need you to understand, there is hope. Keep going, look at verse um, 5. Look among the nations and see and wonder and be astonished. For I am doing a work in your day that you would not believe if I told you. Like, we need to see that God is in the business of bringing hope even in the midst of hopelessness. Even in the midst of when it feels the most hopeless, God is the one who comes in and brings hope at just the right point. And I want to go one, for, one step further in this. We might cry out when we see iniquity. Anybody, you see the, the filth and the destruction and the nasty of the world and you cry out and say, God, why do you not hear my cries against iniquity? Why is that? We might cry out when we see iniquity in our world, but aren't you glad that the Lord was patient with you when you were in the midst of your iniquity? Weren't you Thankful that God was patient with you when you were in the middle of your sin, or maybe He's still being patient with you in the middle of your present sin. You ever thought about that? The idea of being thankful that God didn't give you what you deserve? Because a lot of times what we do is we see the the sin around us and we say, Oh, that guy's sin, that woman's sin. They've got all kinds of sin issues in their lives. What about you, Caleb? I've just got problems. Right? I, me have sin issues? I don't. I just have issues and problems. Now, they're wicked. Not me, though. Well, come on. We're all wicked, right? Aren't you thankful and glad that the Lord is patient with you when you were in the middle of your sin? So in saying this, God is calling us. Listen, God's calling you and I into this idea of hope. He's calling us back towards hope, to move back towards hope this morning. So I, I want to go back over, and if you've got a Bible, flip back over to Joel chapter 2. And I want us to read a couple of things in Joel chapter 2. And just see the goodness of God. And that there is hope for us this morning. There is absolute and amazing and beautiful hope this morning. And, and I want to start, I'm actually going to start in Joel chapter 2 verse 11. Um, because I want us to see this that's going on in, the, in, this, in this text. Because it's talking about the day of the Lord. When God comes and actually is the instrument of justice. Becomes this instrument that, that exacts justice on a sinful world. Verse 11 says, The Lord utters His voice before His armies. His armies are camped and exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? So the the idea here is, listen, there's coming a day when God will not exact mercy. He won't give out mercy, but he'll exact and he'll levy out justice. And he will 
eradicate the wickedness of our world. But you and I are in the midst of something amazing. Look at verse 12. Yet, even now, even now, even today, even now, October 2nd, 2022, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with your whole heart and with fasting and weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpets of Zion, consecrate and call a fast and a, and a solemn assembly. Gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even the nursing infants, and let the bridegroom leave her room and the bride her chamber. Oh, like this is... This is amazing. This is what's it. This is what we need in 2022. This is what we need in America. Because listen, if we if we ignore this thing long enough and we allow this stuff to just keep just the filth of the world to keep coming on and I'm telling you there's coming a day when that's going to be gone. The day of the Lord is going to be absolutely jaw-dropping. Like it says in verse 11. It's very awesome, and who can endure it? This is the idea of who can endure it. Is, this is, listen, God's going to mow through those who have rejected His gospel. And when I say mow through, I mean they are going to have an eternity of wrath laid at their feet. And they're going to have to endure an eternity of God's justice on their lives. Like, this is insane what's coming. And I, I feel like sometimes when I tell people, this is what's coming, and they just like, yeah, I don't believe you. They might not say it with their mouths, but they sure do it by their lives. There's no submission to Christ. There's no love of His Word. There's no love of His people. There's no love of the, of the decrees of God. We just sort of kind of ignore it and do whatever we want, pursue the things we want to pursue. But yet, He even interjects this in the midst of all the insanity. He injects this, and He says, I'm calling you back. I'm calling you back to me and I want you to give my give your whole hearts your whole hearts and many come and this is the problem in in modern evangelicalism in today many people who claim to come to Christ they come with a half-hearted effort in hopes of escaping the flames of hell but not not to the point where they want to sacrifice fully the comforts of this present world listen modern day Christian you're too stinking comfortable in America. This ain't our home. This isn't where we're going to spend our eternity. Can I get an amen from anybody? We ain't spending eternity here. Like this is just here for a minute. And in the long line, you say, Caleb, I've been here a long time. Your long time and God's long time are two different long times. Amen? Went to a funeral yesterday. Gentleman was 92 years old. Loved the Lord supremely. Oh my goodness. This man was a man's man who loved Jesus. 
92 years old, and I, I thought that what the pastor at the, at the service said was interesting. He said, that 92 years was a long time, but it was also real short. It was a long time, but it was real short. In God's timeline, it's just barely a little, beep, beep, little blip on the radar. A little blip on the radar compared to eternity. And Warren, last week, stepped into his eternity. And he's reaping the rewards of faithfully loving Jesus. Now, was he perfect? No. But he trusted the one who was perfect. And because he trusted the one who was perfect, his account was perfect. Because he trusted the one who was perfect. Amen? And that's what we're called to do. But many people come to Christ in this half-hearted attempt to follow Jesus because we want some sort of fire insurance. Well, I don't want to go to hell. So, I mean, listen, I can take a poll. How many of you want to go? Let's, 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 let's play it. Let's play it. It's ready? Here we go. Who wants to go to heaven when they die? Who wants to go to hell when they die? Nobody. There's nobody ever going, you know what? Me. I want me. I want I want to go. I, I, I want to go. There's nobody wanting to sit. Nobody's wanting to do these things. There's nobody in the room that says, you know what? Sign me up for an eternal flame. I want that. Nobody wants that. But here's what we don't also. That old, that old song. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to die to themselves. No one wants to die to their self-interest. No one wants to die to what they want to do. They want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. And they want to tack Jesus on at the end and say, okay, well, I got Christ over here and he's my little thing that I have on the side. I do him on Sundays and Wednesdays. I keep him around. I'm telling you, what we need to do is we need to not come to Christ with a half-hearted idea. What does the scripture say? Even yet, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Listen, in order for the good news to be good, it has to invade the dark spaces of, of bad news. Jesus is stepping into the dark corners of your heart this morning here in this text saying, mourn and weep over your sinfulness, that over your, your heart needs to be torn up over your sinful condition. How many of us in the room are torn up over our sinful conditions and we think to ourselves, God, how can you even like somebody like me? But man, this is the truth, is that those who trust in Him, not only does He love you, He lavishes His truth and likes you. He delights in you. He delights in you. Jesus is stepping into the dark corners of your heart even this morning, saying, listen, here's the bad news, but also here is the good news. Come to me with your whole heart and rend your heart. Tear up your heart over the sin in your life. Don't just give me a show. Don't rip your clothes because in the Old Testament that was a, a sign of repentance, was an, a sign of, of sadness over certain things. You'd tear your clothes in, a, in an effect to show off that you were sad about your sinful condition. Oh God! And there's so many people that like to make a show of things, but they don't really want to commit their hearts and their lives to Christ. Jesus says, Rend your hearts, not your garments, and return to the Lord, for He is gracious. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ is gracious. He's merciful. How can I say that? Because we woke up this morning. 
That's how I can tell you that God is graceful and merciful to you. You and I got to wake up. That's the reason the, the psalm says his mercies are new every morning. You know why? Because he allowed you to wake up this morning. He allowed you to wake up. Jesus is stepping in and saying, look, mourn over your hearts. Mourn, your hearts need to mourn over your sins. Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 4 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Notice there is hope in all of those equations. There is hope in all of those equation, equations. Blessed are those who understand their sinful condition, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Not, not only those that are blessed to understand that, but blessed are those who are sad over their sin. They're, they're mournful over our, our, their sins. But before hope can be inserted into the equation, before hope can come to light, there has to be an understanding of our condition. So many people focus so much of their energy and their time to figure out a way to get out of their circumstances and out of, oh, I've got to figure out, okay, if I could just get Jesus as my fire insurance policy, I'll, I'll go do my thing. I'll go to church, sit my rear end at the pew and do my, do my time in the church. That ain't going to cut it at the end of the day. That isn't going to cut it. Rather than trying to figure out a way to get out of our circumstances, what we need to be doing is simply looking to the one who has already overcome every circumstance throughout all eternity. Amen? The only way to find genuine, true freedom is through repentance and confession. Repentance of sin and confessing Christ as Savior. The only way we find true hope is in Jesus Christ. Now, once we understand that, once that's come to light, once we've been made aware of our sinful condition, the Holy Spirit then moves us forward in repentance and confession. And look at verse 13. But we rend our hearts, not our garments, and we return to the Lord with a full heart our whole heart we say God I'm yours I want to be yours I want to know you I want to pursue you I want to be yours look what happens for he is gracious he is merciful he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and he relents that means relents means he stops from being or from sending disaster he stops the disaster from coming on us when we say okay god i will follow you i will trust you he is gracious and full of mercy god is not trying to figure out ways to stomp you and to destroy you rather he longs to extend mercy he longs to show off grace he's slow to anger how do i know that because i'm still here God had every right to destroy me decades ago. Anybody else? God had every right to destroy me, but guess what? He loved me enough to extend mercy to me so that I could find repentance, so I could trust in Christ. He's slow to anger. And when we hunger and thirst for, for being close to Jesus... He's going to bring us satisfaction that is truly everlasting. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They'll be satisfied. Now listen, I want you guys to be very careful and discerning when you start trying to base what's going on in your life as a determination of God's love for you. A lot of people um, 
here's the thing. When something bad falls into your lap, and the enemy will begin to whisper, Jesus is not pleased with you, God hates you, and you're unlovable. And you know, Jesus, he did, not only are you unlovable, Jesus, he just doesn't really like you. He just doesn't really like you. And when that happens, instead of seeking God's will and word on these items in our lives, we start to believe the junk that's been seeped into our lives. And before you know it, we've made an agreement with the enemy about who we are and what the circumstances is. Now, here's the deal. The enemy will always tell you that you're unlovable and worthless and never, ever, ever able to be loved by God. He'll just make you feel pathetic. He make you feel miserable. Now, the conviction of the Holy Spirit will convict you over your sin. But it will say, go to Christ, go to the cross of Christ to find redemption and forgiveness. You can find everlasting love. You can be satisfied. You can be redeemed. You can be set free by the power of the gospel. That's, that's the difference. Don't, listen, this morning, stop giving an enemy, stop giving the enemy a seat at your table in your life. Stop giving the enemy a seat at your table. And rather, rebuke him for who he is and trust Christ. So yes, there's some bad news that might be floating around in your atmosphere this morning. But Jesus has stepped in and he offers hope that will never, ever, ever let you down. Romans chapter 5 declares that. Not only this, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us forever and ever. Look around you today. Pay attention to your surroundings today. Know that what's going on in your life and in your heart, if you can, can be the person that can bring hope into the equation in the places where you go. And know that Christ has offered you forgiveness. Like, Stop being the person that is so prideful and so arrogant to think, I don't, I don't need God. I'm a rock. I'm an island. I'm going to tell you something. You're not a rock. You're not an island. You're a clump of cells that God put together. Like, your skin is very, very feeble. If I just hit my arm just hard enough and just at the right angle on this pulpit, I can bleed all over the place. Anybody? Just step wrong, and I can step off the stairs just wrong, and I can, oh! Anybody? Regina, you can pick up a, a, a package of dirt, and everything could go south, can't it? We are not a rock. We are not an island. We were never meant and never designed by God to be able to withstand the things that are going on around us. We have to have God in the center. We need to pay attention to our surroundings. Know that what's going on, and if you can be a person that can bring hope into someone's life, do it. Now, you might have to tell them, listen, you need to repent of your sins. You need to trust Christ. You need to be washed in the blood. That's the most loving thing you can do, though. The most loving thing that you can do as a Christian is tell someone that they need to trust Christ. 
Period. Be willing to show off Jesus to the world around you. He's the answer. He, he made that exclusive claim. Remember, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I saw a video this last week where a guy stood in a church. He was a transgender gentleman and said, God, forgive us for, for the sin of Christian supremacy. the most dumb thing I've ever heard. Of course there's Christian supremacy. It, there is no other God. You'll say, wait a minute, what about Muhammad? What about Allah? What about Confucius? They're all made up in the minds of men. If I said that I worshipped a unicorn, you'd be like, okay, Caleb, that's really nice, but that's weird. If I said I worshipped an Oompa Loompa, you'd be like, Okay. Strange, but okay. I, I made it up. Men make up what they want to worship because they cannot submit themselves to the God of the universe. There's only one God. The historical evidence and biblical evidence have been more than enough to prove that Jesus is the only God. He's not just one of many. He is the God. And he demands perfection. And the only way you can be perfect, the only way that you can be perfect is if Christ's substitutionary atonement is placed in your account. And the only way you get that substitutionary atonement placed in your account or deposited in your account is by repenting of your sins and trusting in the good news of Jesus. He's the only way. Sitting around and navel gazing and numbering the pain in your life. Well, you don't know all the things I've gone through. You don't know all the hurt I've been through. That isn't going to fix it. Let Jesus Christ bring the healing to where you are today. Because He will. Why? Because He cares for you. Like I know it's crazy to think about, but 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 tells us, Cast all of your anxieties on Jesus. Cast all of your worries on Jesus because He cares for you. You in the Greek means you. I don't know if you knew that. I, 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 I don't get it. Like, you know, you know how foolish it is to reject this? this is, you know what this is like? Walking into a, in a into establishment, and the guy behind the counter comes around the corner with a giant wheelbarrow full of cash, jewels, and gold, and says, "Listen, this is yours. I need you. To, I want you to take it. I want you to take this. It's yours. It's yours for your enjoyment. It's because I love you. And you to look at that guy and just go, you're stupid." I don't want that. I'm out. And you leave the store and say, I don't want it. Like, how foolish would that be? You say, Caleb, that's pretty foolish. Well, it's even more foolish to sit around and say, God, I know you've offered redemption. I know that your loving kindness has been amazing. I know that you're gracious and you're merciful and you're slow to anger. But God, 
I'm not interested in returning you with my whole heart. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, with whoever I want to do it with, and you can't stop me. How stupid is that? How stupid is that? Many of us, in the midst of our worries and anxieties, try to control the outcomes. Many of us try to drive the car, metaphorically speaking. And what needs to happen is what Paris Reedhead said to do many years ago in his sermon, Ten Shekels in a Shirt. We need to get out of the driver's seat and we need to get out of the car entirely. And we then need to walk around and open up the trunk of the car and we need to get into the trunk of the car and then we need to hand the keys to the Lord Jesus Christ and we need to slam the trunk lid down and whisper through the keyhole, Jesus, drive us wherever you want us to go because it's your car anyways. Fill this car up with whatever you want to fill it up with because it's your car Anyways, do with it whatever you want to do. This is all yours and I'll do whatever you want me to do. When we live our lives this way, we'll see so much less worry, so much more stress, so much more evaporate. It'll be evaporated from our lives. And I'm firmly convinced that too many of us believers are way too comfortable in our own skin. Listen to me. If I told you today, listen, Jamie and I are going on a trip for five days. We're going on a little trip. And our packing, what we're packing tonight, uh, we're going to get, uh, we're going to grab our freezer, our upright freezer, our refrigerator, our kitchen table, our sofa, our, our, our chairs, um, our bed. We're also packing our bed. Uh, and we're also packing... Um, not only our clothes, but everything that's in our kitchen cabinet, we're taking all that with us. And you say, wait a minute, Caleb, but let me get this straight. You're only, being, you're only gone for five days. Why are you packing all that for five, a five-day trip? Well, because I want it. Because I want my things. That's what some of you are doing in this life. You're packing everything you can into this life because you think... You won't say it out loud with your lips because you're smart enough to not say it, but your lives reveal it otherwise. You're saying, I, I'm going to pack everything in because this is my life. You only go around once. Live it up. Live it up. Scripture says, yeah, you do live it up once, so you, bet you, live, you only go around once, so you better submit your life to Christ because the moment you step into your... And listen, it's coming for every one of us here. You're going to step into eternity sooner rather than later. I can tell you, you're, every one of us in the room are one day closer to stepping into eternity than we were yesterday. And when you step into your eternity, if you're, if you're oh, I hope my good outweighs my bad, I can promise you you're going to hell. Promise you you're going to hell. Well, if I can just, man, maybe God will just be nice to me at the end of it. He'll look around at my good deeds. Scripture says that your good deeds are like a menstrual rag. How about that one? I didn't say that. That's what the Bible said. You said, Caleb, how could you say that in the pulpit? Because the Bible says so. That's what your good deeds look like. So what do you need to do? Return to the Lord with your whole heart and mourn over your sin. And guess what? He'll forgive you. 
He'll forgive you. Stop trying to plan everything and pack everything in for a five-day trip when eternity awaits. Eternity awaits. If I did that, really, you'd think that's crazy. But you know what's even crazier is that some of you think that you're going to get out of this thing unscathed. You're a fool to believe that. If you're here this morning, you believe that you're a fool. And what you need to do is you need to return to the Lord with your entire heart. Not a, not a little section of your heart. Okay, God, here's my Sunday morning. It's yours. Here's my Wednesday night, God. It's yours. No. He says, bring the entire thing. Take the entire thing. That's the call. That's the challenge. If you're here this morning and you have not trusted Christ fully with your life. Listen, I care less if you prayed a prayer when you were a kid. So did I. I wasn't saved. Well, I prayed a prayer when I was a kid. That's great. What are you doing now that says you've been redeemed by the Lord? Well, nothing. You're probably not saved and you're heading straight to hell. And I'm warning you. I'm not being, you know, golly, Caleb, that sounds judgmental. No, it's not. I'm warning you. Hey, don't do this. This is a bad thing. Here's a better spot. Here's a better direction. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him today. Well, why should I do that? Because he's worthy. Period. Because he's worthy. That's what you should do. Get in the trunk. Stop trying to drive your car. Get in the trunk. Father, send us wherever you, wherever you want to go. I'm not going to try to drive. I'm not going to get in the back seat and try to, try to back seat drive. Anybody, any back seat drivers in the house? Jamie is. Listen, don't be a back seat driver. Get in the trunk. You don't know what's happening. Let the Lord drive you where you need to go. Trust in Him completely with your life. And what, the, what does that look like? Saying, God, I'll return to you with my whole heart. I'll rend my heart I'll tear my heart open over my sin and say, God, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. And then run after what God's put it for you to do. Don't ignore it. Run after Jesus. Pursue Christ fully with your whole heart. I'm telling you, your life would look different if you're pursuing Jesus with your whole heart. Amen? He will. He will. He will. 